Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. We've got something special for you this week as we reach the midpoint of 2021. I'm Jeff Braun. It's our best of the year so far. We'll tell you about our favorite TV shows from the first six months. And first on my list is Conan. Conan O'Brien wrapped up his TBS talk show last week after 12 years at that network and 28 years total hosting a late night talk show. I have devoted all of my adult life, all of it, uh, to pursuing this uh, strange phantom intersection between smart and stupid. Now, Conan's not retiring. He will have a new show on HBO Max next year, but while it will be a variety show of some type, he says it will not be a traditional talk show like he's been doing, so who knows what it'll actually be. Even still, it was the end of an era last week as he brought the curtain down on his talk show. He was the longest-serving host out there, and now I guess it's Jimmy Kimmel. But Conan, of course, began back when Leno and Letterman were battling it out. Conan famously got off to a rough start in 1993, then famously got shafted out of The Tonight Show in 2000. 2009 after just a few months and somehow became the elder statesman of talk show hosts in the years since. I've been watching him very regularly for decades and quite a bit during these last few months. And he also had a great last couple of weeks wrapping up the TBS show. The good news is, like I said, new show next year. And he also has a terrific weekly podcast called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. So you can still get your Conan fix. In general, I always like to have a comfort show on the go and the pandemic has really demanded that. So next on my list is something I rewatched, Parks and Recreation. I rewatched it over the winter and fell in love with it all over again. I am starving. I haven't had lunch since yesterday, so I'm gonna head over to Callahan's. Oh, no, 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 don't go there. They totally skimp on pickles. Let me go to Big Head Joe's for you. They have the most insane burritos. I don't much go for ethnic food. No, 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 trust me. They have one that's called the Meat Tornado. Literally killed a guy last year. You had me at Meat Tornado. It's also one of the rare shows that's solid from beginning to end. It ran for seven seasons, and uh, even though it didn't include a clip of her, we do take Amy Poehler for granted. That much I know all these years later, uh, and that was cemented in my rewatch. She's just a comic genius. Parks and Rec is also one of the best shows ever made in terms of its world building, populating the fictional city of Pawnee, Indiana, with the weirdest people, each one weirder than the last. I could go on, yada, yada, yada. Parks and Rec, still one of the best shows of all time, and you should watch it or rewatch it now on Netflix. Netflix also gave us season two of Ragnarok just a few weeks back. It's the Norwegian show about a modern day teenager who becomes Thor and has to fight the rich family in the small town he lives in, in a Norwegian fjord. It was a terrific season. They go deeper into the Thor lore, introducing new characters. And thanks to the MCU, we are already familiar with a lot of the names and a lot of the history. When an old man with an eye patch shows up, for example, you can see where it's going. Same with all the stuff regarding the hammer. Story-wise, it was a good continuation from season one, and it clearly set up season three. And I sort of hope that'll be the end of it, because there really only seems to be one overarching story. And if they drag that out beyond a third season, it's probably going to start to feel like they're stalling. But so far far so good check out ragnarok on netflix and yes it is in norwegian with english subtitles i'll just jump now, in here for a second on sure. ragnarok uh the the big reveal at the end of the season when he gets really thor-y uh yeah. that was such an emotional impact it was just such a great climactic scene but very much like season one they just sort of tease us with his transformation into Thor. So I I both like that and don't like it because I want to see more 
of him More fulfilling Thor. his destiny, and yet because <laughs> they give it to us in such small snippets, it, and they do it so well, uh, they really make you want uh, more Thor, as you put. But yeah, season two of Ragnarok was excellent. And we'll just be uh, sitting on the edge of our seat waiting for season three, hopefully sometime next year. Number seven on my list, some of my favorite people banded together to make a new sitcom on NBC. It's called Mr. Mayor, and it stars Ted Danson as the newly elected mayor of Los Angeles. I never thought I'd be standing here, but my city needed me. He's charismatic, open-minded, independent. You're all in on this guy. I'm very open to the idea of a robot police force. Thank you for reminding me. Mr. Mayor is created by Tina Fey and Robert Carlock, who created such hilarious sitcoms as 30 Rock and the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Danson, of course, is TV royalty. I saw early Ted Danson a lot last year with my Cheers rewatch. And the past few years, of course, we fell in love with him all over again on The Good Place. Now in Mr. Mayor, as the title implies, he's the mayor of Los Angeles. He's well-meaning, but kind of dumb, which is classic Ted Danson, of course. And uh, he learns the ropes. He unwittingly gets himself in jams, and he learns to play politics. Holly Hunter plays a political rival slash ally. She starts out gunning for him, but he makes her deputy mayor, and she realizes she can do more good being on his side than trying to work against him. And then there's his staff, a couple of young 20-somethings that are hip and modern and looking to climb in their careers. And then there's the much more experienced and very dumb holdover from the previous administration, played by Bobby Moynihan, who I love. You might remember him from Saturday Night Live. The first season was nine episodes, and you could tell it was kind of feeling itself out like all sitcoms do in the early going. You almost never hear anyone say season one is the best season of a comedy. Mr. Mayor has been renewed for a second season, thank God, and I've no reason to think that it won't be even better when it comes back. The next show on my list is a show that just released its newest season this week. It's a sketch comedy show on Netflix called I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Is everyone okay? What happened? Did anyone see? Someone drove a hot dog-shaped car through the window. Sir, that's clearly your car. Wrong! Someone call the police! Yeah, that's one idea. Or we could work as a team, find out whoever did this and punish him ourselves. Maybe take his bare butt out of his costume and spank him. Maybe you could do it, sir. Not gonna happen. Okay, you. No. Well, one of us is gonna have to do it. No one's getting spanked. <sighs> you know what's driving me nuts? It could literally be any one of us. Ooh. No, it couldn't. You're dressed like a hot dog. So is that guy. I Think You Should Leave is a show, it's a show, it's a single camera style sketch comedy show like Key and Peele as opposed to a live audience show like Saturday Night Live and it stars the creator Tim Robinson who was dressed up as a hot dog there. He actually used to write for SNL and the story goes that he had a lot of sketches that were too weird for Saturday Night Live and the first season of this show featured some of those sketches and weird is an understatement, it's gloriously loony, a real breath of fresh air as far as these kind of shows are concerned. Many of the sketches center around how people behave in various situ social situations at parties or at the workplace, those sort of things. And there's always one weirdo who grinds everything to a halt with their weirdness. Some of the ideas come from so far out of left field that they must be from another ballpark altogether. And you may have seen that clip or the meme of that guy dressed as a hot dog, the sketch we were listening to there. That's from this show, obviously, and it's from season one. Season two is out now, and the quality is about the same as the first season. Maybe not quite as many classic moments, but I also had a better idea what to expect this time around, so it didn't really catch me as 
off guard as season one did. Still incredibly silly, incredibly funny, and short. Each season is six episodes, and each episode is only 15 minutes, so it wouldn't take long at all to binge it. I highly, highly recommend. I think you should leave on Netflix. And coming up after the break, I'm going to highly, highly recommend another insane comedy over on Crave. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And we're going through our favorite shows of 2021 so far, a year in review or a half year in review, as it were. And I'm up to number five on my list. And I'm going to talk about a comedy on Crave called Review. It's one of the craziest shows you'll ever see. I did mention it last week. It's a mockumentary, so it's fake. The story is scripted about a guy named Forrest McNeil, played by comic genius Andy Daly, who reviews life experiences at the behest of his audience, and chaos ensues. And when I say chaos, I mean chaos in many senses, the literal sense sometimes, but also the chaos it causes to force emotional and psychological well-being. Mostly, it's because the life experiences he ends up reviewing are things like stealing, blackmailing, and what it's like to be addicted to cocaine. Even some of the things that sound relaxing, like Spending time alone in a rowboat, for example, have nightmarish consequences for poor Forrest. But he's dedicated to his job, and he battles through every horrible thing that is thrown his way. And we, the viewers, laugh the whole time. I've not laughed out loud this much at a TV show in a very long time. It is on Crave now, all three seasons, which only constitute 22 episodes, and they're each 22 minutes long for a grand total series running time of just eight hours. You could easily bang it out in a weekend, and I suggest you do just that. Now, one of the more thrilling things to happen to TV this year was the debut of the MCU shows. Listen, I can't offer you salvation, but maybe I can offer you something better. What did you expect? We're going to need all hands on deck for whatever's coming next. This is our home. Glorious. After dominating the box office at the movies for 13 years, the folks at Marvel and Disney decided it's time to try their hand at television with shows directly tied to their movie universe. WandaVision was a bizarre and unique first foray into TV with the episode styled as old sitcoms before giving way at the end to a more traditional MCU type of thing. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier felt more like a Marvel entity from the get-go, but parts of it were slow or uninspired, thanks in part to pandemic-induced monkey wrenches thrown into the original story they were planning, but it also had a lot of cool stuff and had a cool ending, character-wise. Both of those shows were largely just setups for other MCU movies to come down the pike, and Loki probably is too. It's still on, so we don't know how it'll end. It's probably the most fun so far, but that's of course, is just the nature of Loki. All three shows could have been condensed into movies, I'm sure, but Disney needs new shows for its streaming service, so here we are, and it's mostly been a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to whatever they throw at us next. A sitcom that ended its series run this spring was a first-time viewing for me and a very welcome binging distraction earlier this year. I'm talking about Superstore. Obviously, I didn't intend to tell everyone how much I was making. I'm actually shocked you're not making more. I, mean, I thought a manager would at least make more than we do. She does. I don't think so. How much do you make? Same thing we all make, $134,000 a year. <laughs> How do you make that much a year? 52 weeks times 30 hours a week times minimum wage, 86 bucks an hour. No, 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 no. Minimum wage is 860 an hour. 
I must have missed a decimal point. So no part of you thought to question why you were making $86 an hour to work retail? I thought that's what we all made. Oh, How do you guys live on under $134,000 a year? It's a workplace comedy where hijinks happen all the time, and there's a roster of interesting characters. Specifically, Superstore was a show about employees at a giant big box store like Walmart. Most are not terribly dedicated to the job because the job is not particularly fulfilling. It's a second-tier comedy. It's not going down in history as one of the all-time greats, but honestly, it was better than I was expecting. The two leads didn't have great chemistry, and the will-they-won't-they of it all just wasn't something I could get into. But all the supporting characters were fantastic. They really let the weird fly which was fun mostly it was just a comfortable hang when the pandemic and the winter were at their most soul crushing so superstore definitely came to the rescue in its way it's on netflix and if you're looking for a sitcom that you can just sit and enjoy without it demanding much from you have at it i recommend superstore now on the exact other side of that coin, probably technically the best thing I've watched this year, is Barry Jenkins' The Underground Railroad on Amazon. It's hard. It just takes some getting used to. I see the trick is to think of something what you're trying to hit. What someone, if need be. What's her name? The Underground Railroad is a historical fiction series about a young slave woman, Cora, who escapes her Georgia plantation and tries to get to freedom via the Underground Railroad. As you would expect, it was a very tough watch at times, but the filmmaking is simply breathtaking. The performances are off the charts. It is a masterpiece. It is another masterpiece from Moonlight director Jenkins, who is now one of the most reliable talents behind the camera. The evil on display is brutal. The humanity on display from the slave shoots straight into your heart and soul. It is quite an achievement. I'll be shocked if it doesn't win a ton of awards. Tuso Mbedu plays Cora, and she's a revelation. Hopefully it leads to all the success she wants. Joel Edgerton, also fantastic. A very compelling bad guy. He's the one hunting for Cora after she escapes. You can't have empathy for him, but the show does delve into his past, and you find out where he's coming from to some degree. And frankly, from top to bottom, the whole cast was just amazing. In fact, every aspect of the series was amazing, and I highly recommend minute the underground railroad is out there right now it's available on amazon prime video and that brings me to my favorite thing that i've seen on tv this year also on amazon prime video it's the horse opera yellowstone there's an arms race going on in this valley the weapon is land that land is mine nobody can sell it but me you're a bully and a coward you stole the one thing a cowboy doesn't steal you think you're winning this game? You don't even know the damn rules. Don't worry. I'm going to teach them to you. They haven't actually aired any new episodes of Yellowstone in 2021, but I'd never seen it before, so I decided to watch the first three seasons, and they are working on season four right now. The show is on the Paramount Network, but I think most of us in Canada saw it when it came to Amazon Prime Video for the first time earlier this year. That was actually the first time I'd even heard about it, I think. It stars Kevin Costner as John Dutton, the owner of the Yellowstone Ranch in Montana, a ranch he works and defends violently if necessary with his sons and daughter, as well as a group of extremely 
extremely loyal ranch hands, loyal to the point that several of them have literally been branded with the same Yellowstone brand that they use on the cows. Other ranchers, the neighboring First Nation, rich developers, and Mother Nature are all among the friends and foes facing the Yellowstone, depending on the day. It's a fun world to visit, especially when they're focusing on the cowboy stuff, and it's very soapy. It's like Dallas meets Downton Abbey meets Sons of Anarchy, I think. Um, it's also nice that Costner has found something like this. Act, aging actors sometimes simply get left in the dust, and while this is, you know, a far cry from an Oscar winning feature film. It is something he can absolutely be proud to have on his IMDb page. Three seasons of Yellowstone available now on Prime Video. Check him out before season four arrives, which we should expect sometime later this year. I just got to ask about that guy in Superstore who was making $134,000. Once he revealed <laughs> that, did he get his salary docked? Uh, oh, um, he goes on quite the wild ride. He, they, uh, at one point, they catch him sort of sleeping in the walls of the store because he has no home. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he's just, he is, there. oh, I can't, we can't say it on radio. I'm surprised they even put it on network TV, but he tells a story about taking a shower that would uh, have you cringing for weeks, Brett. Up next, we'll go through my top 10 of 2021 thus far. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are The Couch Potatoes. Since we're at the midpoint of 2021, we thought we would look back at all of the shows that we've watched in 2021 and pick our top 20. And mine starts right on New Year's Day. It debuted on January 1st, and it was a bounce back from its second season, which was good, but not great. Talking about the third season of Cobra Kai. I might never be able to... Never. Can't. Those are just words that are meaningless. You're not a kid anymore. The world isn't just going to hand it to you. You want something, you have to crawl across the floor. Use your damn teeth if you have to. I'm always going to be right here next to you. Because I'll always be your teacher. Sorry, you felt like a champ. Cobra Kai. It's the show that revisits the world of the Karate Kid, but the main character is Johnny Lawrence, the villain from the first movie. I've said this before. I'll say it again. When they first announced this was happening, it was actually good. It, it started on YouTube Red. It's now on Netflix. But when they announced they were doing this, I thought, what a stupid idea. We do not need to go back to the Karate Kid. I was so wrong. I was so wrong. The first season was amazing. It was surprisingly funny with well-rounded writing that makes the show relatable for all ages because the high school kids have problems that we either can relate to or remember, and the grown-ups have their own problems which we can all relate to. Johnny is looking to turn his life around, so he relaunches the Cobra Kai Dojo, and his rivalry with Daniel LaRusso, the Karate Kid, is renewed. The first season was great. Second season was still fun. I enjoyed it, but it kind of went off the rails a little bit. And the third season brought it back up to par with some nice throwbacks. There's a big character from Johnny and Daniel's past who pays a visit. And there's a really nice callback to the Karate Kid 2 that ends up in a like ends in a surprisingly positive way that made that little subplot really rewarding when it could have been a complete just waste of time throwaway. So it's just a good show. Season four comes out later this year. 
This next one already has two seasons under its belt for 2021. Je suis agent d'entretien. Les œuvres d'art que je nettoie. Vendredi prochain, ils vont vendre un colis aux enchères. On va le voler. It's a French show called Lupin, and you can watch it in English, but the dubbed audio is awful. And it's done very well in Canada, presumably partly at least because it is in French. Season 1 debuted on January 8th, season 2 on June 15th. It's a retelling of the classic French story about Arsène Lupin, the world-famous gentleman thief and master of disguise. The main character is Assane Diop. He, too, is a gentleman thief and master of disguise after spending his whole life idolizing Lupin. It's a really fun, heisty kind of show, and it's a quick watch, too. It's only five episodes per season, and the episodes run 45 to 50 minutes. So if you're looking for just a quick little thrilling show that is fun, check out Lupin on Netflix. This next one is just a two-part documentary. I wish it was more, given how good The Last Dance was last year. That's that one about Michael Jordan. This one from HBO debuted on January 10th and is simply called Tiger. Breaking news that will rock the world of sports. Tiger built himself up to be more than he was. I have made you question who I am and how I could have done the things I did. Have you taken any medications? Why don't you go ahead and hop out for me real quick? What has Tiger done to Tiger Woods? The problem with conquering the world is that the world is going to want its revenge. He got clean, he got healthy, and he crawls out of that hole. This is the comeback of all comebacks. Do not underestimate Tiger Woods. The story of Tiger Woods. You do not need to be a fan of golf to know who Tiger Woods is, nor do you need to be a fan of golf to watch this documentary as it follows his rise, his fall, his comeback. We also learn a lot more about his father, and this documentary does not paint his father in a particularly good light. His father essentially molded Tiger Woods into the golf uh, phenom that he is today, you know, was his dad a bad guy? Did his dad ruin Tiger's life before it got started? Or was he just a dad who saw something special in his boy and wanted to make sure that he rose to the top? You can watch it on Crave. Jeff, I know you loved The Last Dance. Have you watched this yet? I have not watched uh, this yet. No, I haven't. Um, but I've, I've, I forgot about it. But now that you reminded me of it, maybe I should check it out. And it's only two episodes, like you said. Yeah, that's right. So if you got Crave, then you can dial that up. Guaranteed, you will not regret it. Also in January, lots of good stuff in January. We saw the debut of yet another spectacular series from Sir David Attenborough, A Perfect Planet. You are so they say perfection doesn't exist. But that's not quite true. Can't you see? There is one planet where every element has fallen into place perfectly. Planet Earth. So it's a five-part series that shows how life on planet Earth flourishes as a result of a perfect balance of a whole array of factors. Once again, the footage is 
spectacular. The the footage that he and his team get for the various shows that he does is always so mind-blowing. The narration, of course, is fabulous. It's just another home run of a series. He might just be the busiest guy in television, Jeff. Like, this year alone, he's released A Perfect Planet, which was on BBC Earth. And he's also released a couple of shows on Netflix. One's called Life in Color, which is really cool. It looks at uh, the, you know, the colors... Uh, how various animals use color, the various colors of some bizarre animals, etc. And he's got another one out uh, called Breaking Boundaries, The Science of Our Planet. I haven't checked that one out yet. Life in Color was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, ever since he did that Planet Earth series that you went out and bought that, I think, on... Did you buy that on DVD when it first came out? I'm looking at it on my shelf right now. It is on DVD. I suspect I will never plop those discs in again because uh, even the most rudimentary streaming service is bound to have better quality than what's on those. But David Attenborough is also 95 years old, Brett. So I'm guessing he's just going to work till he dies. Like if he had a retirement plan, it would have kicked him by now, you'd think. You'd think, yeah. And he is a, he's on a crusade, right? Like he wants to get the message out that we have to protect this planet and protect its species and protect the environment. He does a really good job of that. And the shows are just so mesmerizing. So I think it was on BBC Earth, so I think you could probably call that up on demand through your cable company. Hopefully it pops up on a streamer. I just checked, and it's not on any streaming services from what I can tell. One more from January here. This was on January 13th. Netflix debuted an excellent true crime documentary series called Night Stalker, Hunt for a Serial Killer. There was no pattern. Anyone could be a victim. He went after old people, young people, men, women. It's unheard of. We've never encountered anybody like that in criminal history. Everybody was talking about it. I'm scared. I think everybody else is scared. It's a cruel... Pressure was on to stop the madman that was doing all this. So we start trying to piece all this puzzle together. We were in for a roller coaster ride. It's the only time in my entire life that I slept with a gun. There is a lot of true crime stuff on Netflix, and for the most part, I don't watch. Not because I hate it, I just end up watching other stuff. But the name Night Stalker rung a bell because I finally connected the dots that he was featured on 2019's American Horror Story 1984. The Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, was a featured character in that season. So I checked out this documentary series, and I will say, this is the best true crime documentary I've ever watched. It was amazing. If you're not familiar with the Night Stalker, by the way, he went on a horrifying killing spree during a blistering hot summer in the mid-1980s in California, mostly in Los Angeles, but not exclusively. And there was no method to his madness other than he would usually just find his way into unlocked homes. Now, I said it's great, but I also admit I'm not a true crime aficionado, but I checked with a colleague who is a true crime nut, and she loves it too. Great show. Highly recommended on Netflix. My top five of 2021 so far. Next, you're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. We're looking at our favorite shows of 2021 so far. This next one for me debuted February 19th on Netflix. It's called Tribes of Europa. In December 29, fing auf einmal an, die technisierte Welt durchzudrehen. Licht aus und Finsternis. Das war's dann. Mittelalter. 
Yes, it's largely in German, but don't tune out just yet because this was well worth it. And there is a lot of spoken English in it as well. It's produced by the same people behind another German show on Netflix, the time travel sci-fi series Dark, which is excellent. Maybe the most ambitious time travel series ever shown on television. It's just nuts. But Tribes of Europa, what he said in the clip was this. In December 2029, technology suddenly started going crazy. Then, bam, lights out and darkness. That was it, the Middle Ages. So this is about the various tribes that have popped up and the struggle for power, all while there is this mysterious technology that pops up that is linked to a mysterious culture, this society. where people wonder, like, are they even real? And what is this technology? Can it save us from an evil force that appears to be coming down the road. So I really recommend it. It's got all the tropes of a post-apocalyptic story, cartoonish, violent bad guys, but whatever. I really liked it. Tribes of Europa. Next one, also on Netflix. This debuted on March 12th, and despite its title, it has nothing to do with The Matrix, but I liked it all the same. It's called The One. I have a secret that I want to share with you. A single strand of hair is all it takes to be matched with the one person that you are genetically guaranteed to fall in love with. Right now, you're selling me a fairy tale. This will change relationships and dating forever. They won't ever be the same again. What a thought-provoking concept. Just imagine you submit your DNA and you find your perfect match. The one person you are guaranteed to fall in love with. Sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? at least at first, but we quickly learn it's just not that easy. Like, just think about it for a second. Like, what if you're single and you're not necessarily looking for love? Would you want to give up that whole process of finding that person by surprise? Like, love is life's great adventure, right? So that moment of discovery when you realize, holy crap, I think I'm falling in love with this person, is a joy. I don't know that I'd want to give that up. And there were so many more questions that popped up in this. This show didn't get the best reviews, but... To Rotten Tomatoes, I say screw you because I loved this show. I loved the one. Highly recommended. It's neat. Next up for me, Amazon Prime in recent years has successfully entered the realm of superhero shows for adults with its great show, The Boys. This year we saw Prime do another superhero show for a mature audience. The main difference is The Boys is live action. This one is animated, but much like The Boys, it too is amazing. It's called Invincible. I'm scared, Dad. What if I can't do this? Follow me. Slow down. Land. I said land. Stop! Get up. I'm actually getting used to this a little. That's not good. You need to be better. After everything he's done, how can I live up to all that? You need to decide what kind of hero you want to be. It was you in the blue and the yellow. Why don't you meet the team after school? May we count on you in the future? Yeah, I think so. And bored of this. I promise you, you will not be bored of Invincible. It's about a high school kid named Mark Grayson, who is the son of Omni-Man, a powerful superhero. And he's waiting for his superpowers to kick in. Eventually they do. So now he has to train with his dad to be a superhero. It's based on a comic book by Robert Kirkman, who also created The Walking Dead. And just like The Walking Dead, Invincible is extremely violent, like horrifically violent at times. I had heard it was violent, but I still was caught way off guard. So once that, I, once I acclimatized myself to what kind of show this was, I really dug it. And it's also very much a tribute to the superheroes that already exist. 
but Omni-Man is the Superman-ish character. He's basically Superman with maybe even more powers, and not everything is so super when it comes to Omni-Man, so I will just leave that there. There's a great mystery that goes through the season. So that's a great show if you like superhero stuff and want something different. My second favorite show of 2021 so far stars Kate Winslet. It's an HBO show, Mayor of Easttown. The Easttown Police Department received a call reporting a dead body in Creedham Creek. We've decided to bring in a county detective to assist with the case. How do you like working with my mom so far? We're just getting started out. Any tips? Lower your expectations. Should we do this outside? No. All right. Let's go. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's what's happening? She knows what's what's happening, Tony. She knows. All right, let me go. Are you friends with these people? Yeah. Debuted on April 18th. You can watch it on demand on Crave. It stars Academy Award winner Kate Winslet. She plays Mayor Sheehan, small-town Pennsylvania detective who investigates a a local murder as her life crumbles around her. Seven-part limited series. It's an exploration into the dark side of this close community and is portrayed as an authentic examination of how family and past tragedies can define our present. It's so good, and Kate Winslet, Amazing, as always. My favorite show so far in 2021 on Netflix. Many called it the next Game of Thrones when it debuted in April. It's called Shadow and Bone. Our enemies are threatened by your mere existence. The whole world will be after you. The prize is one million Kruger. Bring me Alina Starkov. Shadow and Bone is set in a country that's been divided by the fold, a massive black cloud that goes from the ground up and spreads for miles, and there are monsters that live inside it. There are some people with pseudo-magical powers, and she, the main character, comes to learn she is the Sun Summoner. She can summon light, and she might be the key to destroying the fold. It's like nothing I've ever seen. All kinds of genres, fantasy, political intrigue, western gunslinging, and more. Lots of fun, great diverse cast, eight episodes, I might watch it again. Super fun. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.